0: This meeting is being recorded.
1: Well, welcome to The Journey. Um, my name is Kevin Polkey, and I am the host of The Journey. And um, for some of you that have been uh, listeners, you know that what we do is we uh, tell stories of transformation. And um, not only uh, in the midst of that transformation, but sharing what obstacles or setbacks someone may have experienced, and then what things did they learn as they were... Um, moving through and, and those obstacles, uh, or those setbacks that someone had. And today we have a, a special guest, uh, Alex, Gary, Alex and I have known each other, well, goes way back to high school. And, um, and Alex was a previous, uh, in the very first year um, you were on the you were on on the show then, and talked about what you were doing at that time. And our daughter daughters uh, were in musicals together, and so there's been a lot of time periods over the past uh, couple decades that our our paths have crossed uh, as well. So welcome welcome back to the journey, Alex. And um, it's nice talking again. Yeah. That was
0: pre COVID.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> when, when the world was a little bit different, right? So, yes. so um, I know, uh, well, why don't you kind of just let the audience know uh, a little bit about you, um, how your ties are within the community um, going all the way back to our Harlem days uh, and some of your interests and passions.
0: All right. Uh, you and I graduated, well, you were a year ahead of me, right? You're a class yep. of 86 at Harlem Correct. and I graduated uh, from Harlem in 87 mm-hmm. and then uh I had a circuitous uh, journey in college, but I ended up graduating from NIU. And in 1996, I started working for the Rockford Register Star. And I did that for, oh gosh, 17 years. So that takes us up to about 2013, 2014, when, you know, the newspaper had, was on its way down rapidly and, uh, you know, they eliminated me um, and which is kind of like, led me to your first podcast, because it's been, you know, a lot of fits and starts and um, different ideas and trying different things, because I pretty much thought I'd, gra- I'd live, you know, in journalism for the rest of my life. Uh, and when, you know, when the newspaper let me go, I had to make a decision. If I wanted to stay in the journalism path, I had to leave town. And my daughters at the time, uh, you know, we're still in the teenagers. So, i'd have to move away from them because you know my ex-wife and i weren't together so i wasn't going to do that so i had to stay in town and figure out different things so uh you know interestingly when you and i talked back in 2019 uh, i had just finished working for a company downtown uh that hadn't you know that had worked for a while but then it kind of you know the, the company was on its way out and um At the time I was launching a a, a new idea to do alumni research and development for for public schools. And I'm still doing that. uh, But just in the last two months, uh, a new opportunity has come up. So uh, I am now the development director for Midway Village Museum uh, over here, you know, just off Guilford Road.
1: Perfect, and and for, for for listeners that may not be familiar with Midway Village, uh, t- explain a little bit about w- what is Midway Village. What's the history of Midway Village? How long has it been in existence? Um, yeah. So Midway
0: Village is interesting. Uh, our fiftieth anniversary is coming up. So it was uh, Midway Village opened in nineteen seventy four. Um, a family purchased some land because they thought they, you know this family was part of the Erlanger home. Uh, society, and that was a two-story museum, and and this family's like, we need a single-story um, museum to you know tell the whole history, and so uh, they purchased some land, and then they partnered with uh, three historical societies to raise money, and uh, the, the the museum opened in 1974 on I think 13 acres. It's now 144 acres. We have an indoor museum. Um, that you know we're constantly working on there's a victorian village uh with about 26 buildings out and back which hosts all kinds of different events during the years and then we have a bunch of land all the way out to perryville um, where we do special uh, war reenactments so now it's up to 144 acres uh and you know I've, I've been here six weeks now i thought i knew the the operations pretty well but it's it's you know there's a lot going on on a weekly basis especially you know, for, during wedding season, you know, you're talking March to uh, November, um, you know, there's just dozens of different kinds of events going on, plus the regular museum and all these other things we're trying to do
1: nice nice and so it it is actually now with with that with the museum maybe talk a little bit about um, what what does the museum actually focus on where you said there was a Victorian village aspect with 26 buildings but what does the you know uh, uh, if 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 a new person was coming to the museum for the first time what would they what would they see what would what would some of the Mm -hmm. things that they'd see
0: so the Victorian village focuses on 1890 to 1910 and that doesn't, you know, you, the buildings don't change. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's kind of stuck in its time period here. Um, the one of the things about the museum is we're trying to make it. That's going to be the goal is to freshen it up. You know, when you, when you come in uh, to the right, you'll see a little gift store and the lady running the gift store, uh, you know, has a charge to try to tie everything in the gift store back to Rockford, history. Uh, So that's changed over the last couple of years. And there was, if you went in there a couple of years ago, it was just little kitschy items that that we're trying to sell. But now, now we're actually trying to have everything in there tie back to Rockford history in some way. And my mom used to run a stained glass store and a retail store. So I've had some ideas and we're working together on a few things. In fact, I'm wearing, you know, the, the the camp grant hoodie that we just started offering uh, through a pop-up store. Uh, so there's some things going on there then we when you turn left and go into the museum uh you start out with some you know pictures of the old time rockford on the wall there's some stuff about the peaches there's stuff about sock monkeys we have a main hallway uh which is kind of eclectic um you know it it has a lot of different items and it leads to the very very back where we have an industrial gallery uh, but the industrial gallery hasn't really been touched since the 1980s. We, st- we still have Amrock stuff in there. Mm-hmm. You know, and Amrock hasn't been a thing here locally since like 2005. Mm-hmm. So that's on our list of things to improve. Uh, we do have a really cool exhibit called uh, Many Faces, One Community. Off to the left, that's newer. That was built, I think, around 2008. And that that's you know, the, the theme is all these different communities of people have come together to make Rockford. So it's kind of a trip through a train station uh, where you go through a, uh, you know, a Swedish house, an Italian kitchen, a boarding house. Uh, it's, it's a pretty cool exhibit. And it's, it's something you would see in like the Chicago New York museums. And that's kind of what we want the whole museum to eventually be is to that level. Uh, right now, my number one job is we're creating a uh, standalone permanent exhibit for Camp Grant. Which, uh, Kevin, do you know the history of Camp Grant?
1: No, you know, a, a little bit, but not probably just enough to sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. So yeah, right. tell us. Yeah, tell us. Inter-
0: so interestingly, you remember Mash? Like we're old enough to have watched Mash. Oh right? yeah,
1: hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah.
0: Colonel Potter trained for World War One at Camp Grant you know, fictionally. Sure, uh, sure. <laughs> camp Grant opened in 1917 on what the land now uh, is Greater Rockford Airport or the Chicago Rockford International Airport. So that whole area was a World War One training camp. And then in between the wars, it was, I think for the Civilian Convers- Conservation Corps, the CCC, which was, you know, a Roosevelt thing. Uh, and then in World War Two, when we were getting ready for World War II, it reopened as a World War II basic training camp and expanded. In World War II, we had over three hundred thousand soldiers cycle through Camp Grant at some point. Uh, So, you know, lots of people from all over the country called Rockford home for a little bit of time, thanks to Camp Grant. And then after the war ended, I mean, there were there were thousands of buildings out there. They built this whole thing in like six months. So everybody in town that could swing a hammer was, you know, at the area out there at that area building buildings. And then in World War II, when when it ended. Uh, they basically sold everything off or gave it away, so you know everything was cleared out in about a year, and then they turned it over to the Greater Rockford Airport Authority, which then in 1954 opened up an airport. So uh, Camp Grant has this long-lasting ties. Um, you know, back in World War One, when the World War One started, we had less than 200 Black families in Rockford, but during World War One, 6,000 African American troops were trained at Camp Grant and headed off to Europe. A lot of those families or people, they came back to this area for economic opportunity. And that's when the great migration started. So, Camp, you know, um, Booker Washington Center opened to service the African-American troops in World War I. And, mm-hmm. and it's been around ever since. So, you know, Camp Grant has a, a long standing ties and we have a, we, a couple of years ago, this thing called the command post restaurant shut down and had a bunch of camp grant stuff and they held an auction and we bought quite a bit of items there. And so now we want to create a permanent camp grant exhibit, um, to you know, draw world war two enthusiasts here.
1: Sure. Sure. So, and, and I know obviously one of the big, uh, of big things is that world war two days in September end of September at, at midway village, do they have world war one days too, or just world war two?
0: No, they've had World War One one Days for years as well. It's not as big. So last year, they decided not to do it. There's been a couple of years when, you know, if if it rains really hard, you lost money on that one. Uh, But we had such, we had so many people ask to bring it back that it's back on the schedule. So there's three war-related things that we do every year here. There's Civil War Days, and that's a weekday thing where a bunch of schools and and dozens and dozens of schools from Wisconsin, Illinois, from, you know, the burbs, uh, bring uh, classes in. And over a five day stretch, we have a bunch of reenactors in, uh, you know, talking about the Civil War. So we've got, you know, we've got a Lincoln, we've got a Frederick Douglass, we've got, you know, we've got um, um, uh, a a U.S. Grant walking around. So that we do that. And then we're bringing back World War One days. And then, of course, in the fall and in, in September and October, uh, we do World War II days. And and this year, you know, 5,500 visitors over two days, uh, more than a thousand reenactors and 300 volunteers. I mean, it's wow. it's a big deal.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I I live less than a mile away. It's mm-hmm. and um and and we know when it's happening because. <laughs> the, cannon going. The, yeah. can, the cannons going off and it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, it's like you said, it's been, I mean, we've lived in that house now 20 years. And mm-hmm. so it's a big, uh, it's a big deal, you know, yeah. and a lot, a lot of people and, and we've gone, I've gone to it a couple times, times, uh, a handful of times. And so, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, we always know when it's happening. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so, uh, so going back to, uh, and again, how that ties into this time period, now maybe I got this right maybe maybe not but was it during during Camp Grant when it was first opened up for World War I the Spanish flu was going on and that is
0: the tra- that is the tragedy of Camp Grant when yeah. it, it so it opened in 1917 and then we were training you know the, it was it was fully operational in 1918 when the Spanish flu hit and over 3000 troops died i mean in a 6 week period because they're all sardine together right in the same barracks and you know the whole cleanliness you know people you didn't have the same kind of ways to keep things clean as you do now and yeah if you go back into the history there that was a tragedy we had just people dying by the hundreds every day for about a six-week period and then it magically went away
1: yeah and and i remember somebody again i don't remember exactly where i heard 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 that but it was it, because there was some huge fear regarding the townspeople of rockford and and that impact in the townspeople and mm-hmm. um and so um and then when you said it like it seemed to magically disappear what what's any ideas about how it i mean obviously it came in because that's what viruses do and we just have gone through that with the pandemic or, or the uh corona pandemic but any idea of from your i No, not really. I
0: mean, you know, typically, cold flu season gets worse as um, it gets colder because you're stuck inside. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure exactly, you know, what you know what happened, but it was just like it it peaked and then it just kind of, you know, that year just kind of petered out. But for about a six week stretch there, uh, Pat Cunningham from the paper wrote about it. They they you know they would they were stacking up coffins because the funeral homes couldn't handle the amount of people dying on a daily basis. Wow.
1: Very, very unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So what, um, so what are, what's the timeline regarding the camp grant uh, exhibit? What would you, do you guys have any ideas? One, that yeah, we, we hired a company, the same company that designed the
0: many faces uh, one community exhibit. We hired them to do uh, the same thing. So you would walk in and it's, it's you're walking into the, you know, to the mess hall. I mean, it's, it's, it, we've got a great little kind of uh, layout set out, and um, uh, we have a World War II Jeep ready to go and all these items, and, and it's going to be a really, really high quality thing, but which means you have to raise a lot of money. I mean, one, one of the issues about uh, museums in general, um, when you walk through the main hallway, some of our stuff is really high quality, and some of us put on white foam boards. You know, like, okay, we want to change things up. We don't have a lot of money for a new thing. So we're just going to do this, this, and this. And that's, that's down the road, one of the things we want to change. If you want to get people into your museum on a, you know, more than once every 10 years, you have to, you have to give them a really high quality uh, experience. Uh, so we've been visiting other museums kind of to get an idea of what high quality experience means. Um, and so uh, this will, yes, this will have the timeline starting in 1917 It'll talk a lot about the African-American troops that were here. Uh, And then we have some ideas on how to make it interactive. And one of our board members went to the Titanic Museum. If you go to the Titanic Museum, they give you a name, right? And you go through the whole Titanic exhibit. And at the end, you type in your name or you enter your ticket, right? And they tell you if that person lived or died. Ah, right. Okay. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a cool thing. Uh, you know, we're, we have, we're working on getting records of everybody who came through camp, Grant. It would be cool to, okay. So Kevin, you show up, here's your name and you, you know, you do your interactive thing and you go to the end and then you find out what happened to him. Did he die in the war? Did they survive? Things like that. Um, you know, you and I are sports fans. Yep. One of the things I'm, I'm individually researching is for those four years in world war ii this town was a sports mecca because of camp grant you had so many outstanding college students in the army that we feel that baseball teams basketball teams football teams our football team played big 10 schedule they played illinois wisconsin purdue indiana then they would play the other base teams one of the years the basketball team was so good that at the end of the season, it was the number four ranked amateur team in the country uh, behind North Carolina, (laughs) another school, and then another base team, you know, because these guys, you know, when you're here, you know, there was no TV back then, right? You know, so you're not going to sit around the radio. So they had these guys constantly in motion forming teams and, and doing athletic events. So in 1942, the Chicago Bears played the Camp Grant Warriors at the Bell Bowl. Yeah, the preseason. Yeah, so, yeah, I like looking that stuff up. We've had, you know, these people from all over the country were here, and and we want to reach out to the family members of these people that competed and went here, to see if they'll contribute because it's we need to raise, I think, a total of five hundred and twenty-five thousand. So we've raised about one hundred and sixty so far. We need three hundred eighty thousand to begin construction, but then we want to raise another hundred and fifty or so, so that we have, you know. Money every year to to maintain the exhibit and change it up because sure. we don't you know we want it to be not just you know trinkets in a in a in a box that you walk around and look at but like the whole interactive you know experience on the walls and stuff like that.
1: Sure, sure. No, that sounds awesome. I mean, I, I love history. So so that that's that's a pretty cool thing. I I and I and maybe it's the one exhibit that you were that already exists but it hasn't been updated for a long time. Rockford's got, you know, a long history as far as, you know, uh, furniture manufacturing to mm-hmm. fastener to now aerospace. Um what what are they thinking about doing doing with that? Or is that is that after the Camp Grand?
0: Well, it's after the camp grant, but we've had, we started having some discussions. We want to do it in a similar fashion. The, the timeline of, you know, this was an agricultural town and then the Manny Reaper came along. And we have a Manny Reaper, which like, I'm actually going to do a video on that. And that, that, that was the beginning of these huge giant combines, you know, started here in Rockford. A guy got a patent to make a, you know, a thing that could actually, you know, cut down crops because you, instead of doing it by hand. Right, and that that began the industrial revolution here, and then uh, we became this massive furniture making. You know, The Swedes moved to town, and we became this huge furniture making company. And at the end of the 1920s, we were the number two furniture making company in America. Only Grand Rapids was bigger. And then, you know, um, then the Great uh, Great Depression hit, wiped all those companies out. I mean, we were we were on our backs. Uh, all throughout the 30s and then World War II comes along and all of these companies that were just limping along became uh, World War II suppliers and two of them Sunstrand and Woodward you know transitioned into making parts for airplanes and so then that started you know that saved a lot of our industry we became a screw making capital you know for 50s 60s 70s and 80s and then now that's kind of transitioned out and now we're this aerospace hub right we want to tell that story in kind of a timeline fashion uh, the way it was set up i think in the 80s was we got a lot of companies to come in and donate money and then they put up stuff about their company mm-hmm. so there's no real unified theme there sure, sure. Uh, we want to change that up and and, and go more into the, like again a journey through time yeah. uh, and have some of the you know have some of the cool things we've had a lot of cool inventions that came out of rockford that, you know, that really changed um you know the the, the arc of this community And we want to show that off so the the difference is are we going to do it like we're doing camp grant where we we raise money for one specific room or uh, because there's a thought here why don't we just try to raise a a chunk of money to redo the whole center part right leading back to there because one you know one of our weaknesses here we don't have a lot of pop culture stuff rockford's created rockford's had a few people make it to the big time you know we only have one thing on, on cheap trick in the whole museum right uh, we have a little bit of stuff on Janet Lynn, um, but that's about it. You know, we've had uh, people win Grammy awards, and we've had people appear in movies, and um, but none of that's really here. You sure. know, uh, so there's there's a lot to do, and I am also a history buff, so yep, yep. it's it's a cool thing for me. It's like what you know, if if there were five places on my list of of things that could keep me in Rockford, this was one of the five. So. Uh, you know, the whole story about me getting here is, is pretty cool because it all came together really quickly.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, no, it, just to your point, I mean, thinking about how many individuals that we have in professional sports right now um, is, is is amazing. In a, yeah. In itself, it, one of,
0: so one of my ideas, I, I am, a, you know, I'm I'm not much of a card collector anymore. I pretty much sold all my stuff to our old coach, Bill Girling um but yeah there's a lot of people over time that you know, made it out of rockford and made it into, into the big time and i'm like well that we could we could do a display on that then and, and so you know i bill girling and, and judge patrick Yarbrough and i are working on a project where we're trying to collect all of the playing cards that we can't not not every single one but one from each person uh so we can do a display and so because you know kids some kids aren't going to get into old timey costumes and they're not going to get into maybe an airplane whatever. They might get into the sports. You know, Fred yeah. Van Vliet's a big name, yeah. but we've had people before Fred. And so that would be a way to connect with that kid. That's one of the things we got you, you have to do if you're in a museum. You got to connect with all kinds. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I put this up on Facebook. Right. This is Jerry Stalkup. (laughs) Yep. Right. Year old football coach at Harlem. Yep. And Jerry was a professional football player in the early 1960s. And this is an expensive card. (laughs) So, (laughs) but his son donated it to us. Now we have a Jerry Stalkup, right? And uh, back in the twenties, there was a boxer from Rockford named Sammy Mandel, who was one of the eight world champions. And he was champion a lightweight for four years. Now, I don't know why they did this, but 1948 leaf did a card, put Sammy Mandela on it. So we got that one now. So we're on our way. We're working anymore. You know, this is James Robinson. He's more, you know, newer, but that, that, that speaks to me. Like I would, I would think that's cool. Oh, and okay. uh, so, yeah, so that's yeah. something hopefully we can put up sometime later this year.
1: Yeah, no, no, that. And I think to your point, that is, you know, just being able to, you know, being able to show different things over time of why, it's okay to be proud that you're from Rockford mm-hmm. and, and being able to say that, you know, it, it, there's been time where people who don't know the history, right. They don't know that at, at different time periods, Rockford was, you know, uh, seen as a, a place to, to, uh, to go to because of uh, for work or for career or, or whatever it may have been. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm glad that we're that in, and, and sounds like you guys are intentionally trying to do it well um uh, you know along this way not just do it but do it do it well and for it to have longevity so no it sounds great
0: yeah yeah no again i I was i was very fortunate um you know the interesting thing about this you know the journey because i was reflecting back on what you know in 2019 when we sat down in 2019 uh, I had just finished like three years with this company downtown and the ending wasn't going well. That company's no longer in business. Everybody who worked there is kind of scattered because uh, it was a really strong team. And as so I said, like, the team was great. The I the execution uh, just didn't work out. And it's like at the time, I mean, I, I was talking to you know, like two weeks after this happened. And, and um you know, I'd already gone through one career change with the newspaper, which was really scary. So the second one, eh, I I wasn't as scared, but then, you know, so, you know, I I launched this business to do alumni research and develop for schools and it was really taken off. But then in March, 2020, (laughs) um, you know, the the pandemic hits and the pandemic, you know, hit me pretty hard uh, because I was working for schools and schools were all shut down and their budgets, nobody knew what their budgets were going to be. So I, I had, you know, three school clients and I lost one right away and then all of my meetings I had like seven meetings set up with Sycamore, uh, Blackhawk Tech. I was gonna meet with all these different schools. Everybody was kind of interested in this idea. They all got canceled. Yep. So now, you know, I'm down to two, two districts, which t- wasn't enough to pay the bills. Um, and and I have no prospects for the future, At least, you know, because who knows how long that was gonna last. Yep. I mean, that was, that was a freakish few months, right? Yep. Um, then I, I did get lucky in, in September uh, of 2020. I got an email from the Harlem School District, which was one of my clients, and they said, Hey, we're we're creating full-time sub substitute teaching positions, and uh, we'd like you to apply. Cause I was I was a daily sub. I would sub there five, 10 times a year. And I applied and I got it. And at the time that was a huge deal. Now I'm gonna have a paycheck every two weeks, right? <laughs> while I can wait out all this stuff. The paycheck wasn't great, but they also didn't, you know, ask you much, ask much of you. I mean, I was a fairly you know, popular sub. Because here's my speech. I would walk in. I'd say, "All right, I've got stuff to do. So if you don't bother me, I won't bother you. <laughs> right? Here's your assignment. The kids are like, Can we get our phone up? I'm like, "Yes, fine, it's fine. I just leave me alone. I got work to do. And and you know, <laughs> at the high school level, all you're pretty much doing is reading their assignments and making sure they don't stab each other. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So so I did, I did that for two years and I started this third year and I wasn't really sure what to do in the third year because um, you know, do I hit the alumni stuff really hard because it was a three year grant. I knew by the end of the school year that they weren't going to bring us back next year. Mm. And um, do I hit that really hard? And then all of a sudden um, you know, this job opened up and it was like two weeks later, boom, I was out of Harlem and here. You know, I missed the kids. I missed the hustle and bustle. We only have eight people on staff. It's really quiet. <laughs> yeah, <comparatively, laughs> where, where, yeah. yeah, where it wasn't before, yeah. but, um, you know, the Harlem thing was going to come to an end anyway, and yeah. now I've got a chance to learn a whole new set of skills. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm qualified to be a communications person anywhere, but this is different, Deve- you know, this is director of development. So, uh, you know, we just finished our annual appeal. Uh, now I've got to get out and, and get our schedule to people for sponsorships because uh, our sponsorships really fell off last year. Um, I, I can range in a lot of different ways. Like I said, I've, I've already been kind of helping out with the store a little bit. Uh, on the communications side, I'm more of a, you know, I'm more comfortable in front of the camera than our communications director. So I'm like, Hey, I'll do any of that stuff. Um, you know, I, I love going back and talking to Laura Furman about different ideas on how to improve the the museum. Cause I've got some, um, it's just, I, I, I free reign to kind of get involved where I think it's necessary because in a way it's all development, right. right. Um, you know, we, we're trying to get uh, our school, uh, our school day trips back, uh, I've got connections in the, uh, you know, amongst teachers. So, you know, if we get those back, then our, our attendance levels go up. If our attendance levels go up, then it's easier to apply for grants. So really, it all leads back to yep. Um, yep. just increasing activity.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, right? It's it's all about it's all about those relationships and the fact that you spent, you know, a couple years working in the schools, you you regardless if you were a permanent sub or not, you still have a mindset of of what would be engaging for students, what would be what would be of interest to educators to come out there. So those are all key things. I want to go back and and you you pointed out a couple things regarding, you know, Probably somewhat of myself early on in my career. I, you know, when you find out when you have that first career ends, right? And in, you know, at least for me, I thought I'd be doing this for my, the remainder of my life because that was how my dad was. I mean, he, he worked at a company for almost 30 years and, and that's where he thought he was going to retire. And the company closed the Rockford location. And so the last five years of him working was, trying to figure out where to fit in right and um and so uh so for you you've had two different career slash jobs that have uh that have just you know because of not not anything that you yourself did but because of the industry's changing or maybe the plan wasn't you know fully vetted or whatever how what would you say for someone who has gone through it once, twice, or going through it currently, what would you say, reflecting back on it, what would you say that was most beneficial as you were not only trying to just keep your head above water, but kind of keeping that, keeping your hope up, keeping, you know, because you still gotta, you still had to go out there and kind of hustle. still kind of go out there and make yourself available. And what, what could Alex do for some company? (laughs)
0: Well, it's a, it's a lot, but it's a lot like relationships, right? You lose that first girlfriend and it's, 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 it's the end of the world. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to get another girlfriend, right? yeah. but then you, you know, you do. Although I'll say Randy Roof from the, the newspaper, he, he married his first girlfriend they're still married. So yes. that that's, that's, you know, you, and there's, there's people like that and they get a job out of high school or, or college and they just stay at that one spot, but that's not the norm. Yeah. One of the things I tell my daughters when I do all this alumni work for Harlem and Hononegah and and now I'm doing some for Elgin Larkin. um, You'll see somebody who, you know, they did had an ABC life, you know, went to high school, went to college, got their degree, started in their career, stayed in that career forever, right? That's not the norm. If the norm is, you know... They went to high school, went to college. Maybe it took a while to get out of college, or maybe they didn't even go to college. But they started a job. Then they they tried a couple things. Then they went into a whole new line of work, right? And then that they finally found their passion later. So because you know my oldest daughter struggled a little bit with it. You know she she has you know, she's still going to Rock Valley now because she circled away from school for a bit, uh, and now she's you know more serious about it. And she feels like she's behind. I'm like, we well, got 50, 60 years left. Yeah. And a lot of people go to school for one thing and end up just doing something totally different and, and having to go back to school. So there is no, there is no norm. I mean, everybody wants life to be easy. And, and what I've learned is it's not, I mean, I, I was thought I was on top of the world when I was 29 had no idea the, uh, the trials and tribulations I was going to go through, but each, but it's like anything it's, it's, um, each time you go through one and you survive it, it makes the next one less scary. Yep. Yeah. Um, in my case, I needed some humbling, I think, and and these last few years have been very humbling. Um, you know, my, three, my two years in the month or whatever at Harlem, uh, there were times I was a para in special needs and I'm in a bathroom while they're, you know, cleaning up a kid who had an accident. Yep. And I'd sit there and be like, Oof, 10 years ago, I was talking to Barack Obama. This is different, but I'm not too good for that. Yep. You know, I need it. You know, somebody has got to do it yep. and I needed the job.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um, So if you, and that's a hundred percent, right. And so we, we talk about the hero's journey. That's what the journey is about in Campbell's work with the hero's journey and that it is a circle, meaning it's not the straight line where you just check things off and, and do that. And, and maybe some, some people's lives may follow that. um, But in some area, they're going to have some type of Obstacle, some type of setback. E- even if they don't share it on social media, there's there's something that may end up happening. What would you say, from the newspaper to the job downtown to the last two years? What would you say that you've learned about yourself that you wouldn't have learned if if those setbacks would have happened?
0: Hmm. I, you know, my life is a lot more interesting. Today, just just from all the different things I've tried and things I've done, I have a lot more experiences in life than had I just stayed in that one career, right? If I had just been a newspaper person for the rest of my life, um, you know, I wouldn't have tried to launch like a card game, right? Uh, I would, I wouldn't have, you know, been in front of a superintendent trying to sell something. Um, I wouldn't have. I just there's just all these different all these different people I've met and things I've learned that I would not have learned if I'd have just stayed in in the one career. Now, would I would I've liked the one career to stay? Yeah. I mean, I do the math in my head. Had I you know, if the journalism industry hadn't died and I just kept getting three percent raises every year, then I'd be making over ninety grand this year and probably playing golf with with uh, you know, bank presidents twice a week. That didn't happen. So, but most of us don't get that. And um, in the end, it, it's just a matter of you got to get up and, you know, you got to get up make things happen. You know, when, when bad things happen, don't hide. That's the big thing. When bad things don't happen, don't hide. Talk to people, um, reach out, because that's where, that's where the opportunities come. You know, it happened again here. You know, basically I was at Harlem and, and I was there a month and I was probably going to let the school year, at, you know, finish out the school year and have one more uh, teacher summer. Uh, and then somebody at the administrative level decided that one of the benefits we, we got, we weren't going to get this year. And that, so I took a $9,000 pay cut in one day and and you know, I was like, okay, well, the other three people were, pretty, were, were kind of upset and I was upset too. But then I was like, well, you know, I was going to leave anyway. So this just means it's time to leave now. Yeah. And I sent out emails to several people I know. And um, one of the ones was the executive director here. I'd worked with Transform Rockford a few years ago. And he said, hey, would you be interested in this? I'm, I'm more, I would be more perfect for the communications role here, but we have a communications role person here. And so they didn't have that. So it's like, okay, I looked at these things and it's, you know, the development is relationship based and I have a lot of relationships and I've learned over the years uh, when to keep your mouth shut. That's, I think, one of the biggies. And I, I talked to my daughters about that. It's like, you don't always have to chime in. You know, even when you're right, yep. if you think you're right, you, yep. it, it might not be the right time to say something. You know, it, in the end, you know, I I read a lot about Lincoln. Lincoln's genius was he never made enemies. Yep. Never made enemies. You know and and in the end those people that he could have made enemies with helped him become president yeah. you know so uh that's that's one of the things i've learned a lot in the last 10 years it's better to have people in your corner than you know then so sometimes if something bothers you a little bit maybe maybe you should just keep it to yourself
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're, yeah. you're 100% right. And I think, you know, again, kind of summarizing, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. developing those relationships when times are going, going okay and continue, um, you know, those when there's setbacks, right? Continue those relationships not to be rescued. Mm -hmm. But about about those just the relationship piece of it. And and I know there was more than a couple times that we had, you know, went to Starbucks and had some coffee or whatever. And you were just throwing some ideas around and just trying to just trying to make some something happen. And Mm -hmm. um, so perfect. Well, you were there,
0: you were there and alumni engagement services were born. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep 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 exactly exactly yeah. and yeah. then and and you know it's it's funny because i i obviously now with your prompting i make sure that i follow uh you know the harlem alumni and yep. um and, and that has been, there's certain things on there that if, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't necessarily be connected or know about those other individuals that had, you know, graduated from there. So, which obviously is an aspect of the point of that. So
0: the, the cool thing is I'm not, I'm not abandoning the idea. You know, I, I now have, the, it makes for a longer day. I mean, in Harlem, when I was sub teaching, I could, I could, I would read a kid, Hey, here's your assignment for the day. And then I'd start working on my alumni stuff. Well, now there's so much going on here that i you know i get here at eight o'clock and i you know i leave at five and and then i go home and work on it some more so not you know that's one thing is learning is how do i juggle all that together and, yeah. it, and then I'm, I'm learning that but i'm not abandoning it because it is cool rock uh, public schools 90 percent of america goes to public schools and yet less than one percent of public school districts do any kind of alumni outreach because it's not mandated by the state yeah. and so you got to con- convince the school board to pay for it uh, Hananiga has been the most uh, receptive. I just got my fourth year contract with them. Uh, they that. just, they, you know, they, they're they not worried about fundraising. They just like uh, connecting and, and showing off the kids that have gone through there. Harlem, we've had some fits and starts and stuff. Um, you know, when I was working there full time, you're not allowed to be a, a contractor and a full time employee. So now that I'm not there, I should be able to go back to do that as well. Uh, and you know, Harlem's where my heart is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've got a lot of big ideas there that I want to keep going. Uh, like I said, um, I would not have imagined that this would be my life and it's going on a while ago. My God. You know, I remember when I was 29, I thought I was on top of the world. That was 24 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, but it, I, I, yeah. The, you know, one of the things in life, most people have get humbled at some point. And, oh, yeah. uh, and, and this was, you know, my forties were tough. Yeah, yeah,
1: and, um, yeah. Well, Alex, I appreciate our, our friendship. I appreciate your story. I appreciate what, uh, you, uh, you know, the relationships that you've developed because it's based on that is why you're where you're at right now. And you'll, we'll never know how many people's lives you're going to be impacting. <laughs> hope to be here a while yeah. <laughs> this, is,
0: hope this is the one that yep. I, I can ride for a while because I, re- I really like this place I love yeah. history uh, yep. I've got a lot of ideas and um, uh, it's gonna be cool to see how this works out for me
1: perfect perfect Alex what would be the best way if someone wanted to reach out to you reach out and find out more about uh, midway village what or, or or even get involved and become a member or a sponsor what's the best way to get a hold of you
0: Oh, so my, my email address here is my first name, dot last name at midwayvillage.com. So alex.gary at midwayvillage.com. Perfect. And my number here is 815 397 9112, extension 109. And I, I'm in the early stages here. So, you know, Kevin, if you're looking to sponsor anything, we I got a whole, you know, schedule of events here. Um, there's a lot of, you know, I've got I've got data uh, on old sponsors. So, you know, the next couple months now is going to be just me, you know, reaching out to people and saying, hey, let's go have a you know a cup of coffee. How do we work together?
1: Perfect. Um,
0: you know, in, in 2008, this place had attendance of seventy eight thousand. This year it's like 40. So we still have a lot of work to do to rebuild, um, you know, to our pre pandemic levels. And that's that's my job is to get out there and see how we get people back here.
1: Perfect. Well, Alex, thank you very much for being on the show. Uh, I know that you'll be. Uh, I'll be asking you to be on the show again, and uh, I appreciate everything you're doing for the Rockford area. So,
0: I'm. I'm starting. I'm starting a Midwest. Uh, no, a Midway Village time capsule podcast. There so you go. <laughs> I'm going to bring in history people here to talk, and we're going to do. It. It's going to be fun because that's that's something I learned from you. It's just, you know, how to use it to, you know, just build partnerships or relationships that way.
1: Perfect. All right. As always, if, if Midway Village is, is a gem that we have within the Rockford area. So uh, if if anyone you know uh, wants to reach out to Alex and hear his story um, and the benefits of his story about persistence and resiliency, um, that is uh, definitely one of the things that Alex has learned along the way. And I think those, those gifts are something that uh, each one of us could be reminded of. So um, as always, thank you for being here. Alex, thank you for being with us. And I look forward to being with you next.